0: I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. <laughs> so we have reached the last episode of Tuning In, and I think that Richard may understand, and I hope he does, why I wanted to end on Field Trip and not complete the sixth season of The X-Files.
1: Well, I know you did say I'll say that the uh, ne- the next episode is the first part of a cliffhanger, and since we are... Since the the beginning-the-end pairing finished up the first major part of the mythology arc, and it's going to kick in kind of a new arc of that, I can see why we wouldn't want to – that would feel very as if we just began something and didn't finish it for continuity's sake if we pick this up again. So that makes a lot of sense, but this is tying up a lot of – Field Trip does tie a lot of themes of the episodes – of the series. It does – refer to why was Scully in the X-Files? What is Scully's journey? If we view the X-Files as Scully's particular journey, which I think you could argue that it is since she is the main character of the pilot and her assignment to the X-Files is what kicks off the series, not Mulder's assignment to the X-Files. If we view the X-Files as Scully's story, this is a capper on Scully's story. She 100% believes what's going on to the, to the degree where she is willing to argue for that in the face of skepticism from everybody. Of course, that's in the context of a hallucination, but there is an implication that this is a real uh, thoughtful hallucination, if you know what I mean. This is showing her true self in that way.
0: Yeah. And and that's exactly why I thought it was a good idea to end on Field Trip. Because, of course, like you said, the next episode is a cliffhanger. We don't want to yeah. end this podcast on a cliffhanger. That would be uh, unsatisfying for various reasons. But this episode is a really, really good camper on... Like you said, a lot of the themes that are in the X-Files and a lot of the things that are interested to, that we are interested to 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 talk about with the X-Files, and we have been talking about with the X-Files for uh, uh the past, I think what, like year or so. And it's it's a very good episode. I mean, it certainly is one of the strongest episodes of the entire season, I would say, and, yeah. and maybe even of the last couple of years. And I like it because it plays around with a lot of the issues that have been cropping up, especially in terms of the ways in which Mulder and Scully view themselves. And I think this season is really... Now that we've seen almost the entire series, the entire season, of course, we're not seeing the last episode, but... It's very plot heavy. It's a cliffhanger. It's not going to have a ton of Mulder and Scully, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, sort of like examination of their relationship. It's so not like we're, that's we're the. Pretty...
1: It's not like that's the episode where they finally sleep together and we have to talk about it or something.
0: No, no. But it is the case that looking at this entire sixth season as a whole. I think what you really see is that this was a season about the Mulder and Scully relationship in a lot of ways. Yes. And and almost every episode of the season, as we talked about before, has had some of the shipping aspects, but has kind of moved away from that a little bit. And I think it's interesting to look at the arc of it because... Early in the season, there was a ton of shipping. They were playing around with it. They were poking fun at it. They were teasing the audience with what they want to see. Of course, this started in the movie when they almost kissed and Scully was, was stung by the bee. And it has transcended into something else, which is a real examination of not just do these characters have a sexual interest in each other or a romantic interest in each other, but why do they have such strong chemistry. Yeah, and,
1: and, yeah. in a way it's almost coming at their relationship from an opposite angle and a more realistic one. In other words, they aren't falling in love because they're two pretty characters on a TV show. They're people who work together, who are working towards a common goal, who spend a lot of time together, who are slowly developing a bond of trust over a very long period of time. And... It, if Mulder and Skelly are falling in love, it kind of almost makes sense that that would be happening at this point. I mean, maybe I am starting to be won over by the shippers, but
0: uh... I mean, yes and no. I I don't know. I think it's interesting, right? Because Field Trip starts out with two attractive white people in an argument, and I I think that's I I think that's kind of interesting for two reasons one of course is that we are always not interested in straight people drama and and two is that i think it's trying to mirror something about the mulder and scully relationship yeah. a little bit it almost it almost feels like uh because uh, it was vince gilligan and john sheepin that co-wrote this episode like it almost yeah, yeah, feels yeah. like they're they're sort of like trolling us or something and it's not i don't know coincidence
1: I, that the guy has dark hair and that the woman has reddish hair it, it,
0: right exactly. it really does feel like like they're trying to to draw some sort of parallelism there, but it's interesting that you say that you're kind of on board with the shipping because of course I am not, and i like I said before a couple of episodes ago, the shipping does go somewhere they do sleep together and they sort of become you know some sort of item off and on but it it it's it doesn't happen. I I forget exactly when it happens. I I think it might be the seventh season because, you know, David Duchovny left the show um, for, for lots of it after that. But it, it just, it never really works for me because it feels like I can see an argument for it, right? Like, like you said, there are two pretty people that have a lot of, of chemistry together. They care about each other deeply and their relationship has never been physical, but it's always been very emotionally close. And I don't know. I I guess I, I don't really I like I don't have much of an opinion about it one way or the other, right? Like it's fine that it happens. I'm okay with it. But I enjoy episodes like Field Trip more that are about how they support each other emotionally and intellectually, not how they want to bone, if and you know I, what I mean. And
1: I guess that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to say is that the the internet shipping, oh I'd love to you know, they're in love with each that's a very adolescent view of the relationship in a way. Like again, the internet slash fan fiction stuff. Uh, that's a childish view of what a relationship is. And I feel like episodes like Field Trip are dealing with more of a an adult reality. And again, that this is these are two people who put their are put their lives on the line for each other all the time. Who are closer than close. Who may disagree and may argue, but at the end of the day, have gone through so much shit together that. They do have an unbreakable bond in that way. I mean, I, I think when you say the episode begins with them arguing, I think it's more fair to say that they're quarreling. Like this, I, I think their demeanor towards each other makes it clear that yes, she's pissed at this moment, but you know, she went on a hike, she had an unpleasant time, and oh, she's being dissolved by a monster. Um, that doesn't, you know, that 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 doesn't, that's just the mood. It doesn't change the feeling in a way. Uh, does that make sense?
0: No, it does make sense. But I, 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 I mean, I'm not super interested in whether or not the, yeah, of the course. couple at the beginning of the episode are arguing or quarreling or whatever. I just think it's an interesting parallelism to yeah. the Mulder and Scully relationship. And it's mo- um, and the, I would say the, th- that is – The specifics of it don't really matter too much.
1: Yeah, and I would say that is something which underlines the Mulder-Scully relationship, even though there have been legitimate issues along the way. Again, why don't I have a desk? Um those are issues that they have and are willing to resolve in the uh, interests of the larger friendship, relationship, bond, partnership, whatever you want to call it.
0: Right, because – and I think this is a good time to bring this up – is that I think I have had more of an issue over the, the time that we have spent with this show in the manner in which the X-Files treat Scully a lot of the yes. time. and. I don't think that this episode is necessarily any different than that because what's interesting to me about field trip is that well a uh, it's it's a really fascinating episode because of course they are they are being dissolved by some sort of giant mushroom creature but I guess it's like the thorian from mass effect or something but it is the case that we don't really get a good sense of which hallucinations we're watching, right? Which is interesting. Which and I like. Almost an implication that Mulder and Scully are kind of having a, a dual hallucination. They've like, ca- they've figured out some way to like have the hallucination together, which I think is really really fascinating because it's a good way to thematically tie together the fact that they have really become like one mind but the other part of it which i think is is more problematic is the idea that in Mulder's hallucination Scully is amazed by his discovery of the gray in his bedroom and she has completely come around to his way of thinking and in Scully's hallucination she has completely come around to Mulder's way of thinking and there's no real there's no real attempt to to sort of like give any sort of alternative to that you know scully is wrong and scully has been wrong for six years and as Mulder says at the beginning of the episode 98.1 percent of the time or whatever he says he's been right and scully's been wrong and that's a that's not a good look for the show right yeah. like it doesn't well
1: and and this is a case where i think the performance is uh, uh um is adding more to the script because when Mulder does say yes in 98% of cases I've been right, well, that is demonstrably false. Most of the time, Mulder will have his original theory and it won't turn out to be true. Oh, well, the blood was because of... An episode like uh, um, El Mundo Hira is a perfect example of that, where he initially thinks it has something to do with aliens, but it turns out to, again, be a fungus. I mean, a lot of times his initial theory is never correct, and that works on a television uh, aspect. And yes, it does turn out that there is something a bit paranormal in just about all of these cases, but that is demonstrably false. In a way, though, when he is saying that to her... I see the gears turning in Gillian Anderson's performance, where she's think she she's thinking more along the lines of, well, gee, yes, if he wasn't completely accurate, it it is the case that in many of the times we have been on the X Files, it has been something beyond the beyond the explainable. It has been aliens. I literally have seen aliens that Mulder has shown me. This has happened. He has been right, if not ninety nine percent of the time, many times, and. There is a point to that where he's saying, why Why would Scully be skeptical all the time? She is... There are a lot of times when Mulder is right. Now, of course, I, this season, Scully has been running around in defending the supernatural while uh, Mulder has been saying, well, there were no aliens, it was a conspiracy. I mean, that has happened too. This... For her to just be realizing that she has this attitude towards the paranormal now is maybe a little late, but it is recognizing something that I think has already happened to her.
0: Right, because I think what is like, but, but this is so, what's so interesting about this episode in particular, though, is that Mulder is wrong. Yes. You know, he has this idea in the beginning of the episode that Brown Mountain and there's been lights and there's alien stuff and, you know, he's back on board with the alien abductions and he's wrong. Right. Yeah. Like Scully is wrong, too, of course. Let's let's not forget that. I mean, it was not a ritualistic murder. And the episode plays around with that by having yeah. uh, a, two two or three different characters verbatim repeat her line yeah. back to her. Because, of course, it's a hallucination and those characters don't exist. They're in her head. But 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 the truth. It, well, well, the truth. But like, it's but it's that's the thing is like both of them are wrong. And I think that, that what is I think the, the missed opportunity of the X-Files is that. Mulder and Scully both weren't wrong more often, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but I I wish that they had been because yeah. Mulder is very self righteous at the beginning of this episode. And he's, you know, like I said, he's been saying, oh, well, I'm right 98.5% of the time or whatever. But he's not right in this episode. And neither is Scully. But, but Mulder is, when Mulder is wrong, well, Mulder is wrong because he is begging the question. Well, when Scully is wrong, she is wrong because she is looking at the available evidence and coming to a conclusion which makes sense, but is also not borne out by the evidence. And when more evidence is presented to her, she will change her mind.
1: Yeah, but I I think it's interesting you're phrasing it as they're both wrong, when in my mind, I'd actually say they're both right. I mean, a massive fungus underground that can cause psychic hallucinations is a very strong blend of the supernatural and the scientific. And I would say that this episode is more about squaring that circle. uh, uh, Again, the X-Files does believe that science can light a candle to this horrible stuff, that investigation can bring out the truth. And so uh, this is an episode that believes that there is paranormal that can be eventually scientifically explained. I think that's what this episode is kind of a – that that's what the monster of the week to me represents.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that that's true, but I think that I'm right as well. You know, and I think that's what's so interesting about the episode is that it has a lot of different interpretations, and I think it is trying to it is trying to be some sort of summation, right? And and I think it mostly succeeds, but it's also a tension at the heart of the show that is probably never really going to go away. And, and this is where it becomes a little difficult to, to talk about because, you know, once, once David Duchovny leaves the show and Scully has a new partner, the tables become kind of reversed in a sense. And Scully becomes more of the Mulder character in the show. And, and her new partner becomes more of the Scully character. And, yeah, I think it's an interesting journey because it's Mulder is demonstrably right most of the time. But the show and a lot of the fandom surrounding the show does place Scully into a role that I find uncomfortable that yeah. she's some sort of like nag or something and I'm not on board for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, so immediately what I'm thinking of is Skyler White actually where it's a character who provides a counterpoint to the main character but the uh, the audience has pathologically identified to the main character that they're seeing that uh as a bad thing, you know what I mean? Like like again in, in Breaking Bad Skyler White was the much more moral character. She is the character that we frankly would root for in this situation, but because it is from Walter White's point of view, she's a bitch who's trying to, you know, harsh his good time. And that is how Scully comes off in in a lot of the episodes. And again, it's the mythology surrounding Scully. It was the impression I had of her when I first started watching the show. And the actual text of the show is a lot broader than that
0: yeah it certainly is, but I also think that um, this is why the hallucinations in this episode are are so interesting, of course, because I think this in a lot of ways i mean it 's hard to say right but again it 's hard to i mean i 'm just talking about what 's coming down the pike since we 're not doing it that in a lot of ways, this is a turning point episode because Scully is really on board for um, is really on board for a, a non scientific explanation and what is so interesting about the hallucinations is that we kind of get a clear example of the Malder hallucinations, then we get a clear example of the Scully hallucinations. I think it's very clear mm. that Scully's Hallucination about Mulder's death, the wake with the lone gunman there, um, her talking to S- Mulder, t- her talking to Skinner in his office. That's all Scully's hallucination. And then in the sort of like latter part of the episode, it gets kind of, of muddied as to what hallucination we're actually watching. Are we watching some sort of like dual hallucination? Yeah, Are we watching Mulder's hallucination. Are we cutting between them? You know, we don't really know. Like that that last scene where Mulder is basically talking Scully into saying that they're still yeah you know being digested by this thing, it's like it almost seems like both of them are there. yeah, yeah. once
1: they escape the underground the first time that that I think they're fully together in that segment. It's true the, the when Scully first enters the cave it's it's just as herself, and then I, I think once Mulder walks into the room of uh, into his apartment, that's kind of when they've reached the same point in the that digestive tract, and it's kind of merging at that point. That seemed to me the moment.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess I'll contradict myself a little bit because even though this episode does have some of the, the, the treatment of Scully that I find problematic, I also think that this episode is is kind of bad for Mulder because... Let's not forget his his hallucination yeah. in the beginning is that he sees this guy running around the woods that it's really buying into his his belief or his sort of like begging the question about alien abductions and it doesn't really make any sense and Scully's hallucination is all about scientific investigation and coming to a conclusion and kind of questioning it, you know even though she is in Skinner's office and she is giving him a report which basically says, well, Mulder was. Murder ritualist, ritualistically or whatever. She's still questioning it. She's still like, no, I don't buy this. Yeah. And Skinner's like, well, why don't you buy it? You know. And then she's at the, um, then she's at the wake, and the lone gunman say the same thing to her. She's not buying it, right? And so it's almost like Mulder's hallucinations come across as, as very. Well, his, the
1: his is more of a wish fulfillment scenario, right? Like, in a way, it's a wish fulfillment for both of them because Scully is still open to this existing. She just needs the evidence. But this is the definitive proof of UFOs. We actually have a gray and he's not attacking us and we can go into the media and everyone will know the truth. This is what Mulder has always wanted the entire series. And hers is more of a biggest fear as in... Uh, no. So, suddenly, I ha- I I know that something paranormal is happening. Literally, nobody believes me, and the one person that I can go to is gone as well. Again, Mo- Scully has said many times that uh, you know, Mulder helps her keep going, just as M- Scully helps Mulder keep going, and. With uh, they, they are the two who will believe each other at the end of the day when nobody else will, and to lose that is a massive fear of hers. I can, I, I can see, and she is also appreciating the irony that she is finally recognizing proof of the supernatural. She finally has to admit that it exists. She can't, uh, she can't deny it anymore. It's gone to a turning point, as you said.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Well. We've been talking about Field Trip for about 20 minutes, and, and that's usually about the amount of time we talk about an X-Files episode, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit shorter. But I guess I want to turn this a little bit around and, and kind of talk about the, the series as a whole then, because this is it for us, right? Like, this is the last podcast we're doing on the X-Files. And, you know, regardless of whether or not you think Field Trip is a, is a, is a fitting place to end, and it seems like you do, I guess I want to ask, like, what – did you get anything out of this? (laughs) Did I get anything out of this? You know, this is a –
1: I got something out of it certainly as a critic in that we talk a lot on our various shows about – the way that television began to develop its narrative methods of storytelling, in other words, the transition from fully episodic, you know, just every episode is its own thing and it reset button at the end and nothing depends on anything before as in uh, the original series, uh, to more arc-based storytelling and ultimately the heavily serialized uh, Game of Thrones style storytelling that we have today. And the X-Files is a, is a fairly important text within that particular discussion, right? Like, it was one of the first major mainstream shows where people were talking about the arc of the series. It coined the term mythology arc. This was one of the first series to really do this that was very popular. and um, and, and that sustained it over so much time. And it has been interesting to see the ways that it faltered to see the ways that the other shows pick up kind of the ideas that it made and ran with them and maybe did that a little better again shows like buffy shows like lost failed in their own ways but steps up from where the x-files was um and then again then you you know Vince Gilligan's career is is an example of that because again breaking bad is is a show that is generally agreed kept a kept a single narrative through seven seasons was it and told a satisfying story which had a beginning middle end and a satisfying conclusion in a way um five seasons but yeah i mean and again you know obviously I, i i think a few years later we are starting to realize breaking bad is not beyond criticism but it did that very well i think we will agree
0: well, yeah, and I I think that that you know leaving aside Breaking Bad, which I think is is a very influential show for for a variety of reasons, and and Vince Gilligan of course broke his, yeah. um, you know got his teeth broken or you know cut his teeth on the X Files. I think it's interesting because you know it it's one thing to say that the X Files was an influential show, and of course it was. But it's another thing to say that it defined an entire generation of television. And I, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think that the the definitive critical analysis and history of of the evolution of television as an artistic medium is still yet to be written. And, you know, we would continue to do tuning in if life circumstances. I mean, not, not anything bad is happening, anything like that. It's just, you know, our lives are changing. We have full-time time jobs. we used to. <laughs> Yeah, we have full time jobs, we have other interests that are going on, you know, we live on opposite sides of the country, and one one podcast is enough, right? Like we 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 have yeah. I think we have realized that. And you know, the the audience has been here for for tuning in very consistently, but it has been smaller than than for our other podcasts. So so that was another factor as well. But I still get something out of this. I mean, I'm enjoying talking about field trip and I'm enjoying talking about the X files and I'm enjoying talking about television and it would be interesting to see where the series goes and especially see the series uh, come back almost 20 years later in, in the uh, 10th and 11th seasons. Um, And who knows, like we said, maybe we'll come back to this at some point in the future, but
1: well, I guess the way that I would, the question that I would like to Socratically ask myself is, while I may never watch the original series again, I'm going to watch episodes of it. I am certainly going to watch a lot of Next Generation. I do plan on watching Deep Space Nine again. I would love to do a full run of that series on my own. Um,
0: will That's I... funny. I've been thinking that it's been about time for me to start watching it again.
1: Yeah. I, we, we've talked every so often about what are we going to do when we finish Trek about and do we want to loop around and – Frankly, there's times when I'm open to just going straight and doing DS9, doing a second run of DS9. Like, I loved that show. And um, so I guess the question I'm leading to is, will I finish the X-Files on my own? And I don't know if that answer is necessarily yes. I think it's that point of, you know, I mean, this happens with musicians all the time. Like, they have the album where they're still making albums, but, you know, I'm fine with the albums that I've listened to already. Like, I don't need any more of their music in my life. I don't know if I need any more episodes of The X-Files in my life. There are certainly ones I would watch again, but I don't know if I want to continue with it.
0: Yeah, I mean... Field Trip is not the the closing of a chapter of the X-Files, of course, because there is another full season of the show that is yeah. pretty much similar to the six seasons we've just watched. And the show does become very does become something very different, I think, in the eighth and ninth seasons. Not radically different, of course, but different. And I think it would be interesting to to see that. And I think it would also be interesting to watch the second movie. I think it would be interesting to watch the 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 revival series. Yes. And I don't know that I would necessarily recommend that you sit down and watch the X Files on your own. Um because I think frankly that that the structure of this is really important. And the eighth and ninth seasons especially, I don't know that you would get a lot out of just watching them as entertainment. Yeah. Uh but we may come back to this at some point, so who knows? But I also think that like the X Files as a whole is It is one of those series that really does stand up to this kind of critical analysis. Like, yes, individual episodes may be kind of flat, may not have much meat to them. But each episode adds something to the whole of what The X-Files is. And that's kind of what I mean when I talk about television series that are more than the sum of their parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That... You can look at atomized episodes and you can get something out of them, but you can also have the kind of conversation that we're having right now about the series as a whole, which is building on things that have come in previous episodes. And I guess it's it's a very important television series that I think is very difficult to really appreciate now. And yeah. there's so much of it that it's hard to recommend that someone sit down and watch all of it because some of it is really rough. Well yeah. Uh,
1: um so so a friend of mine who is a big uh JFK nut, um uh, so we did the movie JFK for our July patron special. So uh, please go and look into that patreon.com/slash/trekaboutshow. Um, but I was talking about about the movie and saying, yeah, we did that because we're doing the X Files. And he mentioned, oh, I've never seen it, and I I'm going to be sitting down and making a list of here's X Files episodes to watch. I think I'm, I by the time you hear this, it may be published on our site as well. Um, and I think that's the way of going about the X-Files. It's definitely not a watch all of this. It's, there's going to be selected really good episodes. And frankly, I don't know necessarily if somebody ha- – he, he's somebody who's our age, so he grew up watching 90s television. I don't know if you're not – I don't know if how easy it is to watch the X-Files without being a 90s television person, if that makes sense.
0: No, it makes sense, and I think that I see that a lot with people that are younger than me about the original series, yeah. for example, of, of of Star Trek even, that, that it's very difficult to watch now because 60s television is so different from what people are used to, and maybe we've reached that point with 90s television. Yeah. I don't know, but it's also, I mean, I think that The X-Files still holds up pretty well and is still entertaining. It still looks great, yeah. of course, and I think it makes it easier to watch because, you know, it's... It's in widescreen on Hulu, and it's in HD, and just for the din of those facts, it's easier to watch for people that you know may not want to watch like old television series that are four by three, which is kind of dumb, but whatever. Uh, People are dumb sometimes, but
1: yeah, and some aspects. I would
0: recommend for anybody that really is interested in television and really interested in this kind of genre television specifically to watch it because. I would put The X-Files alongside Deep Space Nine as the two, quote-unquote, genre television series that that most directly influenced pretty much where science fiction television mm-hmm. and fantasy television went. And maybe not even, like, I think The X-Files did it because it was extremely popular and it, it, it influenced a lot of other showrunners to do this kind yeah, of yeah. serialized television. But... And, and of course, you know, Vince Gilligan went on to create Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and other writers on the X-Files went on to work on other TV series. Chris Carter never really did. I don't know what Chris Carter did between the years 2000 and 2008 when he made the second X-Files movie. I guess he was in a closet somewhere. Mm. But... And and of course Deep Space Nine is is was not directly influential because a lot of people watched it, but it was influential because of the people that worked on it and what they went on to do. Probably most famously Ronald D. Moore with the yeah. rebooted Battlestar Galactica, which of course had ripple effects all throughout was a huge science hit. fiction television. Yeah, it was a and, legitimate hit on its own. Yeah. Well, which is interesting, it wasn't a hit. Like that's the thing. Really? I mean, like, even Battlestar Galactica didn't really get a lot of audience. I mean, it certainly was like a big hit for sci-fi, but it wasn't like 10 million people a week were watching it or anything. It is weird
1: um, the you know, traveling in certain circles because it seemed like something everybody I knew watched that I didn't watch. It was one of those shows, but confirmation
0: bias, I guess. Everyone I know watched The Americans, but the last episode of The Americans, I think like 300,000 yeah. people watched. So there you go.
1: Um, <laughs> that Pauline
0: Kael quote, but, you know, how did Nixon get
1: presidency? No one I know voted for him. Right, exactly.
0: But I guess to bring this all around uh I hope that you have enjoyed listening to this for however long you've been listening to this um you know i I enjoyed the x files I continue to enjoy the x files. I don't know that I will uh continue to watch the x files because I just said did a whole rewatch of the series like two years ago um but you know if if life circumstances change and you know Richard and I decide that we want to bring tuning in back we we have that option open and we can continue to to journey down the road of the X-Files um but yeah I, that's all i really have to say
1: yeah it was um it was good doing this for you folks and please uh catch up on our back episodes we have done more shows beyond the X-Files we've done uh Firefly United States of Terra uh in the Flesh and i think that was it yeah
0: that was it, yes. Um, and, of course, yeah, and if you,
1: we are continuing our journey through Star Trek. We are uh, season six of Voyager right now. And we've, of course, done all of the shows beforehand. And we plan on moving through through Enterprise and, ugh, Discovery.
0: Yeah, if you, uh, if you haven't listened to Trek About before and you like our dynamic, you like our banter, you like our critical analysis... Um, you'll like Trek about, and if you don't, have you've never seen any Star Trek? Then it's a great place to start because I think it gives a lot of great context. And Richard was a complete newbie to Star Trek when we started the series. That was the entire concept behind the series, and so I think that it it, it really does. Newbies to Star Trek can get a lot out of it for that reason, because Richard is there to act as your lodestone. Richard is there to act as your guide.
1: But old bees will be be there to uh, appreciate Eric's more nuanced take on the franchise, as well as seeing it again through somebody's
0: eyes for the first time. And if you do go over to truckaboutshow.com and want to check out truckabout. Don't panic that you haven't seen a new episode there for a couple weeks. Uh, We're just on a break for truckabout. We didn't take a break on tuning in because we just wanted to finish it, but uh, truckabout is on a break for two weeks. So if you go to truckaboutshow.com, the day that this is released, August 9th, you will see a new episode of truckabout, I believe, on Tuesday, the next Tuesday. So enjoy that. Um, that's it. I think, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We're sorry that we didn't finish the X files. Uh, leave us a comment on tuning in com and, uh, let us know what the show meant to you. And I guess that's it. I think this is difficult because we never actually have formally ended a podcast before, believe it or not. So I don't really know how to do this. All right. I think that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Go to truckaboutshow.com dot com and check that out. And, uh, that's it. We'll, we'll see you around. Next week is uh, is open. Do what you want. Watch what you want. The Mac. Why do you?